0: In this episode, we talk to Mr. E-Learning Challenges himself, Jonathan Hill. Before we begin, let me tell you about our Storyline training courses at MasterStoryline.com. If you're brand new to Storyline or want to improve your skills, Master Storyline has video tutorials that'll teach you how to build real courses professionally. Use the discount code CHALLENGES39, all one word, to get 10% off the first year.
1: Hey, Jonathan, welcome to the show. Hello, hello.
2: Thank you for having me. This is this is quite the honor. Thank you very much.
1: (laughs) Like we said in the in the in the off uh, show, uh, the honor is all ours. You're too kind. You're too kind. Thanks, guys. So before we we jump into our main topic, which is uh, the e-learning challenges, we want to know a bit about about your background, of course. So what's the story behind Jonathan Hill? Oh, that's deep,
2: isn't it? That's
1: deep. Um, before, before I ended up doing um, e-learning,
2: and um, before I ended up in the role I'm currently in at uh, a company called Commercial Express in, in the UK, um, I worked in various different forms in the kind of L and D capacity um, as a trainer in the insurance industry. Um, so that that started in kind of very small stakes. Um, mentoring and coaching on a team then that became a more formal defined training role um, and then when that company completely restructured its um, training offering I became a, a learning and development consultant um, at the same time I was also training to become um, a lecturer a kind of college as we say in, in, in the UK sort of 16 years and above um, college, college level tutor lecturer decided that wasn't for me and I went down the um, sort of professional L&D routes and got accredited with the Chartered Institute of Personal Development here in the UK, which is a bit like ATDs in, in the States. It's, it serves a similar purpose. Um, I like to tell people who who don't know who the CIPD are that I'm actually um, part of the Chicago, Illinois Police Department. And some people <laughs> believe me, <laughs> of, of, other, pe- other people don't. Um, and two years ago, three years ago, nearly now, I came to Commercial Express as an e-learning developer, having gone through that kind of cycle of coaching and mentoring on a one-to-one basis, delivering to larger groups, delivering quite specialised training on insurance fraud, in particular, to then taking this more generalist L and D role, um, which saw me involved in all sorts of things, including new starter inductions. You know, you get twenty or thirty people starting at a company. I have to take them through the first six weeks of their, their time with the company, teaching mm-hmm. them how the, the phone system works through to how to, to log a claim and deal with a claim. Um, but I think my time in front of people, uh, waving the jazz hands and, and being constantly jolly, um are a little bit behind me. Um, and in my last role before Commercial Express, I got um, very, very deeply involved in um, a, a project to look at how much of the... The training could feasibly be recast as e-learning, and um, that's where I caught the bug. That's that's why I saw that this was this was what I wanted to do in the in the L and D world from now on. Uh, I have the greatest of respect for the people who are still in the front of classrooms full of expectant new starters and the jazz hands, and you know, making sure that everybody's happy and constantly on. that's just probably a little bit behind me now. Um, the e-learning is really what's caught my interest. Um, but I don't think I would be as interested in the e-learning or probably as good at it if I hadn't come through that journey of yeah. being a kind of one-to-one coach and mentor mm-hmm. into that formal L&D role.
1: Yeah, any, any related uh, knowledge, you know, uh, it's going to help.
2: Yeah, certainly.
0: And then what led you into storyline and the e-learning challenges we've talked about the e-learning challenges before uh if people haven't heard of them go look up articulate e-learning challenges uh, basically end of the what end of the week every week david anderson posts a new challenge uh for uh, people to come up with some sort of little e-learning course or whatever it might be um and post it all so everyone can look at it and i don't know it's it's a great way to uh Look at ideas that people are having and coming up with new things, and just exploring e-learning. Um, so look those up if you haven't seen them. But John, you've done quite a few of them now. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what led you into them, how many you've done, and then we can uh, get deeper uh, as we uh, discuss.
2: Yeah, cool. Um, I mean, I've always been I've always been in the kind of articulate environments. Um, the last job I was in. They had the choice between a number of different authoring tools, and, and they, they, they chose to go with, with Articulate. Um, I've had experience of other authoring tools; um, it, it's the one that I find um, currently, you know, the, the easiest to use and the quickest to turn things around in. And in particular, in my last role, um, part of that role was about mentoring subject matter experts and leveraging their knowledge of a topic by giving them a kind of um, starting starting point. Basic introduction to e-learning, so they could start to create the design and then pass it over to to somebody to finish off. And the idea being, I would cut the cycle time down. So I was both designing and helping other designers learn how to design at the same time with the same tool. So I got quite deep into how it works, what it can do, um, mm-hmm. how that can be applied in different circumstances, um, and then when it came to to this current role. Um, it was just a foregone conclusion that it would be, you know, when I came in, I'd, I'd be working with, with Articulate. Um, so the challenges um, had kind of passed me by, despite the fact I've been working with Storyline since um, version two. Um, part of the way the licenses were set up in my last role, we didn't really have access to our own individual profiles um, to participate in the message boards, as you do now. because obviously with the Articulate 360 license, you get your nice little headshot and uh, your own profile, Mm -hmm. and you can then go and and chat to other users. Um, I I was kind of outside of that when I first started working with Articulate. And it wasn't really until um, my e-learning brother from another mother, uh, Jonathan Rock, pointed out to me, you know, you know, John, you know, you're doing some interesting things here maybe you should go and have a look at these e-learning Heroes challenges. And I was kind of aware of them through, through LinkedIn and this, that, and the other. I just wasn't quite aware of that, that, that little environment, that little community that I could access as part of the, um, what, what we now know as the Articulate 360 subscription. Um, and I've been doing it for 38 weeks now on the trot. And um, this week's will be number 39. Um, And (laughs) I I, I set myself the challenge of doing 52 in a row, um, mostly to kind of, you know, say publicly, I'm going to do this and kind of have people hold me accountable to that. Uh, When you take out a new year's resolution, often you kind of like give up going to the gym within three or four weeks. You know, it's, it's a bit of a cliche, isn't it? So I thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it for a set amount of time. I'm going to do it for 52 consecutive weeks. And it's 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 mirrored my journey in um, into what we know as working out loud. I'm in a working out loud group with with some familiar names, um including uh, the, the the wonderful Karanolf. Um, mm-hmm. And I see the Elon hero challenges, although they're not labeled as working out loud, as a really, really good example of working out loud because it's all about um, having a very generous mindset in terms of um, sharing your expertise. And learning from others, and this kind of very virtuous circle where you've got this kind of safe environment where you can experiment with with the the software, um, push what it can do, push what you can do. And I like the fact that you know each week it's a different challenge. You, you know you don't really hang about. You, you 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 know you're not obsessing over the last design because the next one's due. And that's <laughs> right. you know that, gotta that's, keep on moving yeah and, and, that, and that kind of like if, if I stop swimming I'll, I'll, I'll stop breathing like this shark like movement through the mm-hmm. through the challenges is it's, it's a really compelling learning journey because without fail you will, you will see, learn or do something you've never done before in each week of the challenges and David Anderson is very good at pitching the challenges in such a way that you can come at them as a complete novice but as someone who's perhaps a bit more um, familiar with the software as I am Um, you can get, you know, very, very deep into advanced interactions, advanced designs, and pushing what the software can do as well as answering the brief, which I think is really, really um, important dynamic. Um, And the fact that you have these novices and these intermediate and advanced users all swimming in the same circles and all helping each other and learning from each other, um, you know, it's, it's very often the case that somebody you don't recognize in the message board's or having you know taken part in the challenges before just pops in some week and then just drops an an amazing demo and it's like wow who are you who are you where did you come from And, and and what is this design how did you do that and and without fail it happens every week and the community is very generous about its feedback and its help and support for people and i've just found the the whole experience in the main to be extremely positive and and worthwhile um the challenge of the challenges, I think, is is um, managing your own time so it doesn't kind of consume your life. I mean, I've got a, a family. I've got two young children. This isn't something you can just do at a whim. You have to kind of set aside time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tend to try and do it as close to the challenge dropping as I can, just... Because I've got other things in my life, you know. Well, it's, we we have noticed. Before, <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's become a little become a little bit of a joke. I think the time difference helps me sometimes um, when David <laughs> drops a challenge. Um, the fact that, you know, I'm in a different time zone d- does give the appearance sometimes that I've oh, yeah, kind of yeah. posted my response before he's posted the challenge, which has been quite funny. So um, is it
1: is it dropped on Friday?
2: It tends to be, yeah. It tends to be dropped on, on the Friday. Um, I, ke- so, I
0: keep looking, but I don't think it's updated yet.
2: Yeah, it hasn't. It hasn't yet. I have got one eye on it. Don't worry. Um, it has, <laughs> hasn't updated yet. Uh, and again, it's it's about getting into that kind of routine. And I think that's a good habit to be in as um, an e-learning developer as well. Because as much as this is about trying new stuff um, and learning new things and pushing boundaries, sometimes just as in the real world, you've got a brief to fulfil. You've got a certain window of time to do it in. You need to get a minimum viable product out that hits the mark. With you know as less fuss and muss as as possible. Um, So some of the challenges I've actually set myself a time limit and said, look, I'm not going to spend any more than two hours on this or three hours on this, Um, just to practice those skills as well because I think that's really important. Um, We can, I think, e-learning designers, what we have in common, um, you know, across the board, is that we like to tinker and we like to kind of go back to things and again this kind of forward motion through the weeks through these 39 weeks not really dwelling on what came before in terms of what I can do to fix it the focus is on what can I learn next and that that's a that's a really positive mindset to be in uh, and it really you can really shape your attitude to your work outside of the challenges
1: it reminds me of you know people that don't release products because they're keep polishing and keep polishing it's at, at, at a certain point you got to send the thing out into the world you know otherwise you're never gonna be done
0: yeah Uh, i mean yeah it's it's very helpful to uh it's like to me once it goes live then i can forget about it it's like out there people have seen it but yeah if i don't have an idea by saturday morning i mean i usually won't won't build (laughs) anything because i i will run out of i won't have the time during the week so uh i'm always uh keeping an eye on it I think you, you you know, I had worked on many of them and then I took like a year and a half break and now I'm starting to get back into them. So I, uh, yeah, I'm getting used to again, finding that time and uh, trying to find, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing how quickly you have to uh, come up with an idea sometimes. But uh, like you said, um, once you, uh, you know, you could be like a pro storyline developer and even a novice, someone that's never even opened storyline before, does something, and you're like, "Wow, why couldn't I think of that? That's brilliant!" Uh, so yeah, I'm always loving what people are doing in there.
2: Yeah, yeah it, it 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 can be it can be good to impose some limits on yourself, not just in terms of the time you spend on the challenge. But um, I I do a little blog on LinkedIn every 13 weeks, um, so there'll be four parts to this blog, which chronicle my 52 week journey through the through the challenges. And that's a nice experience, you know, to do, you kind of reflect on what you've done in that kind of sort of step back. Again, not going back to Tinker, but just step back and what did I do? And also keep a little spreadsheet as well. And i just make a note of um, little things, like, you know, the, the, obviously the course title, what the description of the challenge was, but also kind of what ratio uh, slide I've used, whether I've gone for Chromeless or the Modern Player or perhaps stuck to the Classic Player. That's if interesting. I, if I've used classic or modern characters or photographic characters, or even my own custom characters, I've even got a column on here, whether the, um, whether the course involves a bad pun. Um, cause I <laughs> quite, quite a few of my courses involve a bad pun of some description. It's usually to do with the title of the challenge, but that's often my way into the challenge as well. Um, you, you described David about, you know, being, um, stuck for ideas sometimes. Um, my, my brain is, is it's become worse since I had children you know it's all about bad jokes bad puns word associations and and quite quite a few of my e-learning heroes challenge entries um the the, the, the core of the idea has spun spun out of a, a bad joke a bad pun um and so I've kept track of that as well you know how quite how many of these have kind of been born out of that and some and some of these experiences have become become bigger things they've become articles in their own right where I've gone into quite a bit of detail as to as to how the the course was built and how it works because um, you know I have gone down a bit of a rabbit hole I've did made some discoveries I've, I've um, built something quite complex I mean one of the bigger bigger examples of that is um, I did a kind of an, angry birds uh, rip-off called angry words mm-hmm. and again it was a bad pun uh, that took me in a certain direction um, and it was a way of using sliders in a, in a way that I hadn't used before um, and it appears that it's kind of caught other people's imagination as well. And I've had a number of people contact me for permission to use it in dissertations, um, permission <laughs> to use it in their workplace. Um, it's been downloaded over 300 times from the Articulate sites um, because they shared it as well in the, in the, um, the Storyline 360 section. of the, uh, I think it's the Building Better Courses and the Template section on the um, Elon the Heroes site. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of just blew up. But it was quite a complex piece and you you wouldn't be able to tell just from the story file how it works without reading my company and blog. So that's been really interesting as well. You know, there have been the, those occasions where I think in that, in that spirit of working out loud, uh, being generous with your discoveries and, and chronicling that in a way that, that shows novice intermediates and advanced users, how you got to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you're absolutely right. You know, the following week, it could be somebody who's just opened the software and has just looked at, you know, how an interaction works with completely fresh eyes yeah. and has just completely nailed the brief and used something in a very imaginative way that you, you wouldn't have been exposed to if you weren't if you weren't participating. You know, it's a win-win situation. I recommend anyone who's got the software, um, even on a trial basis, to, to participate in it. So,
0: so what challenges have you had, more specific challenges, have you run into uh, with uh, developing all these? I guess as it relates to development or coming up with ideas or just having the time, have you, have you been in any situations where you were, you know, ah, this is not working or I don't know if I'm going to be able to get this done or, you know, whatever?
2: The, 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 the more challenging ones have been when I've had to do um, narration because obviously, that's there's a fine art to narration. Um, you know, some some of my friends across the pond have described me as having a posh English accent. I assure you, this is not a posh English accent by, <laughs> by any way, shape, or means. Um, if I was in Downton Abbey, I'd be one of the downstairs staff. You know, just carrying stuff around and not being able to say anything. I wouldn't get any any scripted lines. Um, and. So just the act of, of producing narration and then the, the captioning as well to make it accessible, um, that's incredibly time consuming. And as an e-learning developer who hasn't really done a lot of his own narration, that was quite an eye opener. So the, the podcast challenge which which mm-hmm. David set um is ten ten questions to be answered in, in an audio in an audio file essentially. How you hosted it was up to you. Um that that took me forever just because um I, I didn't have the ideal surroundings i ended up building a blanket fort in my uh, living room to make the recording <laughs> um my family was still in bed and it was past midnight when i finished that one um and you know the actual design which looked like a cassette player which, which played each of the 10 clips I, I put that together in about an hour and a half it was it was the recording and it was just it was just horrible. It, uh, you know, I, I, did, I didn't enjoy that aspect of it and it was very difficult to do it in a timely way and, and, and maintain the the sound quality with the equipment and the environment that I had. Um, so that that was a challenge. Um, and I think sometimes as well, although the immediate community of the eLearning Hero Challenge community is you know really supportive, I, again, can't emphasise enough just how much support I've had through that group and the ideas that have been shared and the pointers that I've had it's when you um take that working out loud approach and maybe share what you've done outside of that community it can sometimes bring you a bit of negative attention um i have had a couple of occasions on linkedin and twitter where you get quite pointed questions about how does this help the learner what's the point of this this is very nice but it doesn't satisfy gagney's rules and how is this instructional design um the the, the, the the fact of the matter is that the, the challenges are very obviously about mastering the software. They're yeah. not necessarily lessons in instructional design, but it doesn't mean they can't be both. And I think sometimes, frankly, there's a bit of a lack of imagination yeah. and some stuffiness on, on the part of some commentators toward the challenges because they don't see past what is sometimes essentially on the face of it a gimmicky interaction mm-hmm. but they sometimes don't see the value of that interaction in a learning situation and don't see that divorced from the learning situation your example is just an example of that interaction.
1: Yeah and, and you, you might use just a part of that interaction in, in a completely different context in, and it's going to be awesome for the learners for example but not as an e-learning challenge.
0: Yeah. Yeah. To to me too, so much of it is just about exploration that, you know, I mean, I run into this with like the e-learning locker stuff I do too. I build these templates and, you know, it's like, well, how does that help someone, you know? Well, I I don't know specifically, but I often have people contact me and say, hey, I was able to use some aspect of your thing and turn it into Mm -hmm. something that specifically helps their need because, you know, it's, so much is based on the need that you're not going to solve a a huge need necessarily just with your challenge, but um, it it, it does help a lot of people, even if it's not, you know, focused specifically on solving some sort of instructional design uh, situation.
2: Yeah. And I think if the challenges were that, they, they wouldn't have the same value um, to be honest, because um, that's why the, that's why I think in part the submissions the demos that appear each week despite the be everybody receiving the same brief can wi- can wildly vary in such a such imaginative and broad ways that if you scan through david's summary of that week you, you'll often highlight between 20 and 30 entries as is typically the uptake for each challenge um you can probably find you know in 20 30 examples probably they're twenty or thirty completely different examples. There might be some common themes, but everybody will have had a different different take on it. And um, you know, the individual entries, you know, again, divorced from a learning context, might leave some people scratching their heads. But if you're to review all of the entries and consider them in the round and consider them against the brief, there'll be something in there for you that could inspire you, could unlock your your scenario that your learning situation in a way that really adds value. Um, so that's that's really been the only slight negative for me, you know, the, the time thing. Staying up till midnight in a blanket for <laughs> making recordings is one thing, but the scrutiny it exposes you to, um, you know, be be prepared to explain why it is you've done it and the value of doing it, even when sometimes that's patently obvious. Um, people can be a bit po-faced about it, as we say in the UK. Um, But as I say, not within the community itself, just if you do a kind of a share on LinkedIn or on Twitter or if you're um, blogging about it in some way, just be prepared for the attention that it gets you. And sometimes it's not it's not all positive, but that's not to say it's negative. You know, these are conversations that we need to be having as e-learning designers. I know there's an ongoing conversation in the community about you know, what what the boundary and, and what the relationship is between an e-learning designer and an instructional designer. And often there's a kind of expectation amongst employers that you can be both and do both to a very high standard. Um, but we might be talking, you know, about this kind of, Mythical sort of unicorn-style employee, this mythical beast who who's brilliant at everything. None of us are brilliant at everything, um, and the the e-learning heroes challenge is a way of you improving your e-learning skills in the in the first instance. But there is clearly and often a very explicit um, instructional design and um, you know learning and development application for that.
1: Yep, yep. Th- this sort of relates to my to my next question. So, do you think you you are faster at accomplishing the challenge now that you've done like a bazillion of them? Or did you maybe like develop a strategy, do you plan and then develop and iterate or you know? Is that is a good question. Um certainly
2: when I've I've seen it's a challenge I can achieve quickly. I like to set myself that limit as I say of saying you know Mm -hmm. I'm not going to spend any more than two or three hours on this and then it then it's done in whatever form it's it it is it's done there have been occasions where the challenges have um, not not repeated previous challenges but there there might be there might be common features so I've repurposed I've repurposed um, some designs to do that Um, so yeah, if, if if you're designing for mobile in particular, there have been a couple of challenges that have touched on how you change your slide size and and uh, functionality and sizing of text and action buttons specifically for mobile. Um, that's a template I've been able to reuse for a couple of challenges that haven't been specifically about mobile, but it but it fit the theme of the challenge. So that that helps as well because you know I'm, I'm now sitting on a stockpile of over thirty. Um, demos which may or may not then reappear in some form you know they'll be stripped back to their skeleton and built back up again to meet that that week's brief but that saves you some time as well so you've got a little bit of a stockpile of of work Um, but I just think the mindset that you get into of focusing on what's being asked of the brief um, with practice you get quicker at arriving at your Mm -hmm. you know your idea and your final design um, and with that obviously comes the practice of actually implementing that and it's fair to say that you know you, you, you find shortcuts you, you, you find ways of working that kind of improve your workflow and mean that you can, you can put things out quicker and, and again that helps you outside the, the challenges as well um, so it's, it, 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 it is really a, a win-win situation in terms of if, you, if you're very strict about it, the time you spend on it you'll get that time back and more in the way it helps you in your day-to-day job
0: I know Nates and I have talked a little bit about one thing that's a little bit frustrating is you can come up with the idea, you can come up with uh, the approach to the idea, but then you know you run into a bug or some little thing that takes up 90% of your time. Um, yeah. I know on one of the more recent ones, I've got a little character that's kind of animated. And of course, in I've got a background color behind it. So in any browser because of the compression of the video, you might get these little color differences. And it's like these little things that are like, ah, oh, I'm going to spend most of my time uh, trying to solve this one little problem because personally I like to have as polished a project as I can, um, you know, a project that seems finished. Um, and so these little things often end up costing me a lot of time, especially a bug because you, you don't even know it's a bug at first. Uh, have you run into anything like that?
2: Yeah, and it's been on. It's been with similar things, David. To be honest, it's um, it, it's stuff that sometimes doesn't come out as well until you've published the file as well, which is a bit frustrating. Oh, yeah. Um, mm. yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> right. oh no, you know, it works in preview. Why doesn't it work in in, in publish? Um, and it's often been around image compression. And um, I, I've run into a couple of stumbling blocks with um, animated GIFs. Um, and it is GIFs. I have. Not had GIFs. A GIFs. Big it's not issue. We just, we're just, we're yes. the it's GIFs, not GIFs. GIFs,
0: GIFs, <laughs> GIFs, GIFs all like the way. graphics. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, I have had, what, one of the challenges was to create another parallax something, you know, yes. uh, like a second. And I wanted to recreate this parallax guy thing I did a long time ago, but now with 360 and in HTML, because originally it was, you know, mainly Flash. Mm. I had such a huge time with, the GIF like uh, popping in and out and um, looking different or playing different in different browsers. So I have to finish this up because I ran out of time, but ultimately I had to take this little walk cycle of a guy, put it into states and then run a little JavaScript timer to like, to, to very rapidly play through the states mm-hmm. that yeah. works great across browsers, but it's just takes me so much time to get, Really get it down, but uh, but yeah, those little things. It's amazing how much time some of them can take.
2: Yeah, and it's stuff. It's stuff that you know. Imagine in the real world, you'd been given a, a project and you hadn't accounted for that, and it, it causes your project to overrun. Um, you know, particularly if you're a freelancer, um, that that can make or break make make or mm-hmm. break that contract.
1: Um, yeah, and not just overrun. You know, sometimes you have things like I have to solve this or the project is, it won't be done at all, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so
2: having, the, having that problem-solving mindset as part of the, the challenges oh, yeah. and, yeah. you know, again, not not taking away from your day job, but, you know, concentrating on a, on a problem till you get the solution. So you know then that if you apply a similar tactic, deploy a similar effect uh, or design in your real world, in your day job, that... You can overcome that. You, you you can anticipate that in a way that won't surprise you or upset your project or lose your yeah. contract. Um, and and that other people have said that to me as well. Um, you know, if it wasn't for certain challenges, I would never have known that this performs in this particular way or gifts would be a problem in this in this setting. Yeah.
0: Well, that's nice too because yeah, in your day job, y- you may uh, not experiment as much as you might in the challenges because you you don't want to end up in a situation like that. But yeah, having gone through the challenges, so much easier to be a little bit more creative because you know what you're in for mm-hmm. uh, in the, the real world. Yeah.
1: Or, or just more careful because, you know, all experience matter in the long term and, you know, whatever you encountered in the challenges is going to help you in the next project and so on and so on. It just, it all builds up.
0: And can I say too that it's great that you document how you do some of these things because I don't know about you all, but I forget how I put a lot of these projects together. <laughs> and to be able to go back and see like a video or something I put together, like, oh, that, oh, that makes sense. Uh, so yeah, I, I, documenting what you do in these challenges is so uh, important and something I need to do better at.
2: Oh, thank you. And it, 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 I, Again, for similar reasons is, is why I'm doing it. I mean, I am I am very big on, on, you know, John Stepper is my spirit animal, as it says on Twitter. You know, I am very big on his working out loud. And I see this as an extension of that, being generous with your your time and your expertise. But yeah, you know, I struggle sometimes to remember what I had for lunch. So (laughs) um, opening up a story file and then going, ah, how did I actually arrive at this interaction? Uh, And particularly the more complex ones, it is good to be able to go back and and, and kind of remind yourself. So it's it's there for your own benefit as much as everybody else's. Um, I think documenting your work in that way is really important.
1: If I can just share one short anecdote, because you said it's not just... For other people, it also helps uh, yourself. Um, in the previous job, like e- like every year, like once a year, I had to do something on boss's computer, something, uh, something relating the bank and certificates and some special programs. And every year I just I was learning again how to do that. So one year, I just said, that's enough. And I recorded myself doing the whole process. And then I saved that file into the folder with all the installation files. And the next year, I was so happy, like, yeah, past nights, good job. You know, I can do this now quickly without trying to learn it again for the millionth time. So it really helps, for, for like you said, for yourself also.
2: Yeah. And, and some of the, you know, the, the videos you've been posting on LinkedIn as well, in particular of your little shortcuts and little tips. I love those. You know, I, th- I, I, I think they're brilliant. And, you know, I've, I've been in one or two situations where they've really helped me. Um, I, I, but I think it, and it, it, it speaks to a wider point in terms of learning and development, you know, this, this whole, um, do we need to know something or know where we can find the answer? And, um, sometimes it's about knowing where you can find the answer. And if that's if that's a kind of trail of cookies you've left yourself with with a little mm-hmm. blog or a diary and it's not even something that you needed to have shared publicly, but then also being able to, to use your personal learning network and your contacts and, and the and the things that your um you know your colleagues and the people you look up to in the design world share and been able to access that quickly so those yep. videos you know quick click on your profile now and, and you go through and, and see ah yes that's how you do it of course it's <laughs> you know it's, it's it's blindingly obvious now um so yeah I, I i think i think this conversation you have with yourself and with other people is really really important
0: so you mentioned lunch trail of cookies so nate you might might have to Edit out my stomach growling here. But are, are there any uh, future, I guess, challenges you might like to see in the future that haven't occurred yet? Yeah,
2: that is a good question. That is a good question.
0: Um, it's kind of nice that they're so random, you know, yeah. that you don't know, it, you don't expect them coming. But, uh, you know, every once in a while you have, oh, I'd love to see this sort of thing.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I like the way that kind of David flips between something that's quite technically specific some weeks, you know, use a slider use a dial yeah two yeah. weeks he, he talks maybe about a theme like it's about tennis um or it's star yeah. wars or um, it's a color or yeah some. so who knows and again that gives you just the ability to kind of flex dif- different muscles um what i think i would like to see is maybe some challenges that um a little bit more restrictive in that uh, maybe you know you you have to use certain of the templates, or you have to use certain of the um, built-in um, question slides, for instance, um, or investigate how to use the results slide in in more specific ways, perhaps. Um, now, I haven't I haven't made the jump to to XAPI yet, and it all still sounds a little bit um, like. Um, double dutch to me (laughs) sometimes Uh, i understand what it is and and how important it is and why it's something i need to be more aware of and get into but i'm still i'm still in the world of Scorm, um Mm -hmm. and sometimes one of the challenges i've had still being in the world of Scorm, is that um the results slide in particular on, on storyline um kicks out data in a certain way and if you've got quite a big course with um you want a more nuanced picture of how a person has performed through that course or only isolate a certain set of results within, you know, a set of 10 questions. You're only really interested in a subset of those uh, ways of constructing the courses in, in in a fashion that gets the most out of Scorm, and perhaps acts as a jumping off point to get thinking about how XAPI might be something to move into in future and how much more data that can produce and how much more of a nuanced picture that can produce um, but again, that might be going slightly beyond the um, the immediate bounds of an e-learning Kieros challenge, and it might be quite advanced. And one of the things that David's very good at is on the more advanced challenges, he does share some really good examples about how you break down the Parallax one being one of them, David, and he, he shared your example as well about how you how you break that down into its component parts for what to a novice could be quite, quite a daunting prospect. But I feel the same way when anyone talks about XAPI to me now, how how would I go about that? Um, so I feel like the novice in that situation. So there are there are, there are things I think that, that the challenges could address um, to help us kind of future proof ourselves for what we know is coming in terms of the, the data that these these modules will need to produce in the future. Almost in the same way we've had to address the fact that Flash is going, and now now on HTML, I think we're going to reach a situation soon where you know people are going to be looking at Scorm in the same way they looked at looked at we now look at Flash. Um, so that would be an interesting element, I think.
1: I, I gotta say, I, I I love this aspect of, of our jobs that this sort of industry, industry standard like SCORM and with bigger companies, everything is moving slowly, you know, we don't have to rush and lose our heads with every new technology every year, uh, like maybe in other industries. So. I like this sort of transition. So, you know, we'll all have time to learn about XAPI and so on and nicely transition to the next thing, you know.
0: Well, and that that, that reminded, me, reminded me a little bit like the JavaScript challenge, you know, because that's something oh, yeah. that not a lot of people know, but you end up with a lot of great projects so you can see how it can be used maybe in the things that you do. Um, so, yeah, that's... that's uh, I love those things that even getting into technology, I'm not used to. Yeah. I think I, I'd i love to see – I've been playing around with one, but um, I'd love to see what people – like a challenge where you have to build a course that's 100 pixels by 100 pixels, which is the, the smallest. smallest stage <laughs> a, slide area you can build. Now, you get a little thrown off using the new um, – Player because it'll scale, yeah. so you need to use the old player. But I'd be really interested in seeing what people come up with in a 100 by 100 pixel. Uh,
2: oh, that's brilliant! That's slide. <laughs> the, the, the postage stamp challenge. That'd be amazing. That'd <laughs> yeah. be really I love good. love the name. <laughs> yeah, the po- David, if you're listening to this, please do a postage
1: stamp challenge. That'd yeah. be phenomenal. Using the um, classic player.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the classic player, old school. I'm old school through and through. I like the fact that you can get it into a Chromeless player very quickly um yeah. you know I, I like sometimes to just present present the slide and not have any sort of um surrounding distractions although you know the modern player with its you know the resource bar and the, the buttons you can add across the bottom and the standard features you know it, it's brilliant and has its place i've, I've always erred toward presenting my content in isolation mm-hmm. um and and that's why I've kept a track as well on, on my record as to you know what what style of player I've used throughout the challenge as well because I'm aware that that's my comfort zone as well. So the other thing I, I think getting in, out of the challenges is is reflecting on what you've done without dwelling on fixing it because you move on to the next challenge, but also taking yourself out of your comfort zone. Um, I mean, I, I, my 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 stuff for the challenges tends to err uh, toward being a little bit silly. Has to be said. Some some of them are a little bit silly, and perhaps I've got a little bit sillier in in the last in the last um, quarter. Um, and I'll correct that. I'll course correct. So the next the next thirteen probably won't be as silly. Um, and in the same way, you know, I might look at using the modern player more because it just takes me outside my comfort zone. It's not something I use terribly often. Um, and you know, acknowledging your own weaknesses and your own sort of um, your dispositions, you know what it is you're comfortable using, comfortable doing, comfortable presenting it in a certain way. Taking yourself outside of that comfort zone slightly, and certainly the the colour challenge um, just before we broke for the new year, um, it was the you had to use the Pantone colour of blue. Um, it was going to drop at Christmas. David gave us a little bit of advance notice because we have holidays and stuff. You know this challenge is going to be about using the colour blue. It's going to drop at Christmas. So again, it came back to a pun. My brain went straight away, oh, blue Christmas, great, you know, I'll do something about being sad at Christmas. Um, And then as I kind of investigated that in a bit more detail, you know, it wasn't just about, you know, this kind of Griswold family Christmas where things go wrong and the cat's being electrocuted, um, which (laughs) is the first place my mind went to. I started to look at, you know, um, people at Christmas who are vulnerable, who are lonely, who are suffering from loneliness or depression. And that piece was uncharacteristically sombre as a result. It was quite different from everything I'd done before because, again, it had taken me outside my comfort zone. Even though my thought process had begun in the same way, you know, here's this word association which has provided me with a course title and a bit of a kind of approach to it. Let's see where that that runs. Um, It took me in a direction that I really wasn't expecting. Um, And and that, that that got quite a lot of feedback. I got quite a few people just contact me completely out the blue. Um, just saying, no point intended, completely out of the blue, um, to, to say you know <laughs> how, how much they'd enjoyed that and enjoyed the treatment of it. Um, and to be honest, I was a little bit anxious and a bit reticent about about that demo because it was so far outside my comfort zone. But it's 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 now consequently one of my favourites.
0: No, that's great. And and to be honest, I think it'd be great if people would be a little bit more silly as well because I think a lot of the day to day work we do. Typically isn't a silly, um, and so yeah, it'd be nice to carry over some of that stuff. And I'd say too, it's also nice that you know, realistically, time permitting, we can create as many uh, challenges as we put together, as as much work as we can. You could build one that is more silly, and one that maybe heads down a direction you you're uncomfortable with. But yeah, that that's a that's a great example.
2: Yeah, I mean, the this, this, the silly thing is is an interesting is an interesting one because. Uh, I did I did the challenge on tooltips um, three or four challenges ago, um, and tooltips, as you know, typically tend to be hover over the word and you get like a, a floating box appear or another dialog box that just expands on on that in a bit more detail. You know, it just gives you a dictionary definition or um explains that term in a a bit more detail um and it tends to overlay the content that's there um now for some reason when david posted that challenge he was talking about how it's good for you know jargon heavy topics and sort of like uh, legalese and and you know when people are talking in very specific ways related in ways that are very specific to their their job um i just sort it went immediately to the Rick and Morty episode with the the plumbus and how a plumbus is made because <laughs> yeah. you know it's it's just completely impenetrable nonsense. You're not supposed to understand it. It's almost like how a lot of professions guard their expertise and guard their processes and knowledge with unnecessary jargon. Um, so I did that week's entry based on the the process of creating a plumbus, um, but the the mechanism of the tool tip. I didn't want to have. I didn't want to have the information overlaying, the, you know, the word. You click on the word and get the definition overlaying it and obscuring it. I created a um, a mechanism where the the slide moved to accommodate the new information, almost like a kind of responsive player. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people focused on, "Oh my god, it's Rick and Morty. That's hilarious!" or "What are you playing at?" and kind of kind of missed the point that this is another way of doing tooltips, and tooltips are important because it means you can talk to two audiences at once. You've got you people who know this already and don't need a definition, that don't need the extra help. And you've got people who aren't familiar with this topic and do need additional help. And tooltips are a great way of speaking to both audiences without annoying each each audience. They're, they're either there or, you, or not. You either use them or you don't. And this was just another mm-hmm. way of, of doing that. So the, the silly aspect, I think, um, you have to be careful how you pitch it. Um, you've still got to meet your brief. Um and as long as you're doing that i think there's there's a place for it you know fun doesn't necessarily need to be funny as well you know we talk about having a, a fun user experience you know we're not we're not talking about making people laugh out loud <laughs> yeah, it's not about this jokes isn't about, this isn't about jokes <laughs> yeah. F- this is fun as it's a, it, it's a pleasurable experience yeah this is about designing for delight yeah. this is about having interactions which may be slightly unexpected in terms of how they, how they kind of present information but they're still intuitive you know and as a process and in, in, the, in the process they become pleasurable to use because they they do what they need to do but they do it in a way that's attention grabbing and playful and light um, you know we, we go and watch horror movies and we you know and they they're scary but it's a fun experience. Mm-hmm. um fun doesn't need to be funny and sometimes i think when people criticize the challenges and criticize some people's light-hearted approach to the challenge often they miss the point that you know there's a technical aspect which can be applied in a different different setting quite quite easily focusing too much on perhaps the way they've, they've tackled it that week but but fun doesn't need to be funny yeah so
0: much is about the technical side yeah. but yeah you, you need to kind of Like I like to display things in a way where someone can relate to them one way or another. Uh, But yeah, often, uh, but but you know, I I imagine too that someone might not notice the tooltip as much, you know, for instance, but then when they're in a situation where they need a tooltip or need to explore that, hopefully they go, oh, what was that? How did he do that? And then it's there. They can go look back in the uh, challenges and Mm -hmm. see
2: what fits. And the other great thing about the challenges as well is that, you know, we're here now talking about tooltips. Some of our audience might not know what this, this is, you know, might not understand what a tooltip is. Um, I certainly understand what tooltips are, but I wouldn't perhaps have known they were called tooltips before I did the challenge. You know, I've, I've used them without really knowing what they were called or, or, or perhaps called them something else. Um, again, the most recent challenge, uh, gate screens and, and, and modal boxes. Um, I mean that that you know what does that mean you know I I've, I've been using gate screens in some form or another since since day one but I didn't know they were called gate screens I didn't know what a modal box was I've been using them pretty much since day one and uh, and a lot of this um, the benefit of the challenges is, is just being able to talk in technical terms about what it is you're doing um, and you know, that's not going to be appropriate when you're trying to explain to your wife why it's nearly midnight and you're still recording in a blanket for in your living room, um, you know. But when you're in a, a group of people, uh, professionals who talk in those terms, the e-learning Heroes challenges help you start to talk in those terms um, and kind of hold your own. So any fear you might have had about being an imposter in that situation, um, even though you've you know got a good grasp of design, good grasp of layout, good grasp of interaction design, the, yeah, the minute someone drops one of these technical terms, you might feel like lost in that conversation. Um, and I've certainly benefited, I think, from just being able to put these technical terms to to what I now know to be, you know, gate screens, modal boxes, tool tips. And that's been really interesting as well because every day is a school day. You know, the, the, <laughs> the, 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 day you, the day you assume you know everything about this game is, is the day you need to kind of just retire and cash out because, you know, every day is a school day.
1: So true uh john i think we'll have to wrap up like you said this wasn't funny but this was definitely a fun conversation so thank you for joining us and thank you very much i hope we'll talk again soon yes yes thank you okay dave it's also time for us to wrap up so please tell us where can people find you Ah
0: well, people can find me at davidcharney dot com. Uh, you can also find me at illumingroup dot or elearninglocker.com, dot com. Or you could go to Google dot com and type my name in. Um, yeah, so it's very easy to find me. Nate, where can people find you?
1: That's a very good question, Dave. And you never asked me that, so let me answer right now. You can find me on the internet. <laughs> you can find <laughs> maybe. <laughs> You can find me on Twitter under the nickname N-E-J-C-D or Nate's D, or just add me on LinkedIn and we'll have a blast. Until next time, have fun, everyone. You can always reach us through the website and have a great day.
0: Yep, thanks everyone. Happy learning.